0: Hi, I'm Liesl and I'm Allison. We're two assertiveness challenge friends who started this podcast to share anecdotes and discuss situations in which we wished we'd been better advocates for ourselves while remaining authentic and empathetic to others.
1: Knowing us, we will take a few tangents along the way. Welcome to all the things we should have said. Hi, I'm Liesl and I'm Allison.
0: Welcome, welcome to all, to the, things all the things we, we should have said. Yay! That was almost in unison. <laughs> I love it. Um, welcome to our podcast where we talk about interpersonal relationships and self advocacy, as we talked about in our intro. Allison and I are slightly assertiveness challenged, right? Yes, but we are, we are. Yes, we, we are. are. <laughs> We're recovering together. We're in recovery for assertiveness yes, we challenge. Are. Thanks to the uh,
1: hours of phone calls we have had together, helping each other, all,
0: all the COVID time zooms that we yes talked about. Can you believe this happened to me? What should I have said? Yep. We're really good at after the fact problem solving. So yes, we are. We're great <laughs> Monday morning quarterbacks. We are like we own that. <laughs> we do. We are. We are there for it. That's so awesome. We are so excited to be at our first full length episode entitled Brunch or Nunch, where we're going to talk about setting boundaries and being clear with goals and objectives and doing something that's difficult for both of us, which is advocating for ourselves and our time and our needs. But of Absolutely. course, yes, but of course, before we really dive into that, we thought it'd be really fun to open with a little history of brunch because who does not like brunch, Allison? Brunch is a delight, Right. Brunch is such a delight. My favorite is when we get to brunch
1: together. I'm thinking oh, situate yes. on the water with those <sighs> yummy, yummy drinks that had like the celery in them and the olives. I mean, all things delicious and good. So Liesl, yes. right. we are going to start out with a little history of brunch. I mean, I loved researching this. I know you did too, Lisel. Where did the, the idea of brunch come from, the origins of the word, and kind of this meal that combines a great breakfast and lunch together? And I will tell you. So some historians believe that brunch started in England. It was thanks to kind of these pre-hunt breakfasts that were very common in England. I'm thinking Downton Abbey, going out for a hunt, getting on the horses, creating this wonderful meal set in the countryside. The other uh, person, Guy Beringer, is widely credited to... He was an author and he published um, a piece in Hunter's Weekly in 1895. And he proposed the idea in an essay, Brunch a Plea. And I, I just love this idea that kind of he came up... he dove into this and the essay kind of conceptualized the combination of a meal and it was kind of a a relief on Sundays after a hard week's worth of work and so kind of the the origins being in England the idea of this pre-hunt and then Guy Berenger came and kind of put pen to paper and wrote this brunch a plea and you I feel like brunch is one of my favorite meals and I look forward to it when I get the opportunity on Sundays and maybe Lisa, you can take us through a little bit more about kind of the background of brunch.
0: Yes. So according to the Smithsonian brunch does come from that playful blend. It's a mashup, if you will, of breakfast and lunch. Yep. Cause who doesn't love a good mashup. And in that, in that article from 1895, yeah. Guy Berenger wanted this alternative to that heavy post church Sunday meal and have something lighter. And I love this quote where he says, brunch is cheerful, sociable, and inciting. It is talk compelling. It puts you in a good temper. It makes you satisfied with yourself and your fellow beings. It sweeps away the worries and cobwebs of the week which I just thought was this delightful that. visual, right? Like that's what brunch is. You're gathering and you're talking and it's usually the best of both breakfast and lunch foods. You know, it's a nice. Yes, it is. It's nice that perfect blend. Yes. The perfect blend. Um, so whatever that initial spark of genius was, the tradition caught on in the U S in the 1930s, supposedly because Hollywood stars making transcontinental train trips Frequently stopped off in Chicago to enjoy a late morning meal. Um, I took a lot of train trips as a kid, and well familiar with that Chicago that Chicago train station. And oh, we probably did it. have brunch getting off maybe on occasion. Um, but it was a meal championed by hotels, since most restaurants were closed on Sundays, and with church attendance flagging after World War II, people were looking for a new social outlet, and they wanted to let you know, people wanted to sleep in a little bit. And restaurants kind of got involved and that's where, you know, the modern brunch evolved.
1: And it's, and I love that kind of how the evolution happened, that spark of genius in, in England. And then here in the U S we, we kind of took that and ran with it in the thirties. And nowadays it has become kind of a staple at when we think about looking at different meals and how we think through our week. I was living um, in New York city with my sister and I'd love to share um, kind of my favorite take on brunch when I'm not with you. Um, one of the places, New York is New known for their brunch spots. And it's a beloved meal. One of the places my sister and I used to go was this place called 12 chairs. And in doing this research, I looked it up and it, it, it still is there, you know, New York restaurants come in and out, but they've even opened additional locations. So the popularity of 12 chairs in Soho is definitely caught on. And what I loved about kind of the sun favorite Sunday brunch was um, when I was living with my sister for that year, it was so special. It gave us time to kind of reconnect after the week. And as Beringer did say, like the worries and the cobwebs of the week were kind of washed away. And to your point earlier, the, the idea that the meal was structured, like I, my favorite meal was this eggs. It had toast and hash browns and then the salad with it. So it was kind of this, again, mashup of these, my some of my absolute favorite things, and so brunch for me, you know, has become such a wonderful tradition. I have taken my girls. So if we go into Boston, because I live here in Massachusetts, we'll choose like a brunch spot to go to. And it just gives us all time to kind of reconnect after what, what's usually is a very long week.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. As, as Berenger said, it's this, you know, very sociable meal. So it's definitely an opportunity to talk and catch up and I always enjoy an opportunity to have brunch with friends. Um, If I have it with my family, frankly, it's a nice break from making sure we get three meals in a day covered. Oh, it's Sunday. We only need to worry about two.
1: (laughs) Exactly. We'll do brunch and then we'll skip to dinner. I know it does. It relieves kind of the meal planning
0: pressure, which it does, (laughs) which is real. It does. No, I I enjoy a good brunch too, and planning for having one.
1: Do you have a favorite brunch place, Liesl? Is there, like, whether it's near where you you grew up or where you live, is there, like, a favorite place or where you visited that comes to mind?
0: I can't think of a favorite one locally. I do enjoy brunch wherever I can have it. I think from traveling, it's just a nice time. Um, When we travel, we often look for, you know, we'll Google best brunch spot wherever we happen to be, and that's something – um, my family is very pro breakfast any time of day. Breakfast for dinner is a very regular occurrence. I like to bake Same. and yes, yes. So it's, you know, we have breakfast foods regardless of of time of day frequently. So um, but I do have a very fond memory of that brunch we had out in Massachusetts where there were lovely drinks and a variety of um, I'm trying to remember some of the best foods. I feel like there was a tater tot that had cheese stuffed in it, which was... Yes,
1: there were. It was delicious. And some of the brunch places we've gone, um, and it was similar to the one the two of us went, which I absolutely loved. It was on the water, like eating, and you have the view of the water off in the distance. But the idea that there's also some small plate options, so you get to try a lot of different things. And I know that restaurant in particular kind of focuses on that. And so... I am with, that was one of my favorite from the drinks to the food and especially the company. Ah, it was yes. lovely.
0: I, and I love, I love, I think that's part of what I love about it too, is the small plates and the sharing. And I'm, I'm definitely someone who, when we go to a restaurant, I immediately ask my husband what he's getting, because I don't want us to get the same thing. I want to make sure we can same, share, trade same. and yeah. And sometimes I do like, many oh. different things. That's what I was gonna get. Yeah, we have to we have to split up, divide and conquer. Divide and conquer, especially <laughs> at a good brunch spot. Uh, so clearly we both love going to brunch. I also love hosting hosting brunch, um, and this is where the whole title of the episode comes from: the brunch or nunch. I was hosting a rather a rather large gathering um, where we live up here. And, you know, a lot of goes into that when you're planning, you're corresponding with everybody to make sure, you know, who's coming and when are people bringing spouses, are people bringing their kids, trying to make sure you have Mm -hmm. enough food. Right. And, you know, we do not live right by a grocery store. So it's a little extra effort for meal planning. And we had um, some of the friends weren't sure when they were coming and how they were coming. And we were trying to kind of get that organized. And I had said I would do brunch on Sunday before people took off. And one of our friends could not come up right away. And I was asked, well, could could you have us for lunch? And I was trying to figure out how to accommodate everybody. And one of my very dear Which friends. Which is a lot. It is a lot. Because it you're, we'd it's all lot. So, there was the meal planning for all of the day before and trying to figure out where people are going to sleep and thinking about, well, when are we going to wake up in the morning? You know, back to Behringer's point about letting people sleep in. I didn't want to serve brunch at you know 10 and then have lunch at noon and not everyone's going to eat. Probably no one's going to eat both times exactly. and then trying to trying to coordinate exactly. that. Exactly. My my one of my dear friends said, oh no, no, no. There is no lunch. You tell him it'll be brunch or nunch. Those are the options. I just love that. And I just I loved love that love title. That. And I told Allison the story because it kind of encapsulated what we were talking about on the podcast for what we wanted to do is this idea of how you set that boundary cuz we're both accommodating people we like to make people happy we we want people to feel welcome but sometimes that comes at the expense of ourselves and the funny part about it is when i explained to my friend who was coming up late that just wasn't going to work he was very amenable about it there was no hostility there was no difficulty in, you know, getting that situated for how we would work, work the meals for this. But it kind of led us down this idea of how do you, how do you do that? How do we take out that pressure of advocating for yourself? And when can you do that? And is that, you know, I think we all worry about, oh am I being selfish for setting up my boundary or what I want? Correct.
1: Correct. And I think, exactly what you're saying. I loved the, I I loved what your friend said. It's brunch or it's nunch. And I, I think that is kind of for me as well, inspired this idea of, I tend to lean to want to trying to be so accommodating that it sometimes is at the expense of whether it's, I can't physically get it all in, or I can't plan for that. Or there's two. So the idea that you can advocate for yourself. And I came across something as as Lisa and I were, uh put together a bunch of research one of the quotes i found and i was sharing it with her ahead of this ahead of um our uh, today was this this phrase that i i know i need to keep more in mind which is self interest is not selfishness and i think there is for me it's ingrained that be accommodating it's we we are people pleasers we want to make everyone feel welcome and happy which we do but not at the expense sometimes of saying i I just can't physically do this, whatever that may be. Um, My husband, John has a phrase, you know, kind of the idea that you need to say no to your friend saying it's brunch or it's nunch. Mm -hmm. I am being accommodating, but if you can't make it, you know, there'll still be stuff after, but no, I can't do a separate meal and I can't have meals going throughout the day. And so that, that is kind of a, 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 place to jump off of to say, You know, my husband will say sometimes try to lead with no. That's just not part of my DNA. I've learned that (laughs) I can't do that. However, I can lead with let me think about that. Or and it is hard. I don't know if you found this, Lisa. That I that quote resonated so much with me because I sometimes feel like when I'm saying oh that might not work, it makes me feel like I'm being selfish. When in reality, it's not. I'm just advocating for what my needs are. I'm advocating for like time constraints in a very positive, uplifting way. And one of the other pieces that I found so fascinating in doing this research is it was very like a a self-help for me. I don't know if you found this too, but the idea that you can express appreciation and gratitude and kind of the idea of positivity, which we both are and still advocate for yourself, that those two are not in conflict with each other. Although- I feel myself a lot of times feeling anxious that they are like, if I don't just say yes and accommodate that, Oh my goodness, I, you know, I'm going to make someone be upset or this, which I, I get overwhelmed with. So the, the idea of communicating simply with confidence and gratitude and that can help, I think, to tip the balance of helping oneself advocate more for themselves um, without, and, and being mindful of the fact of how it feels for that person, like myself, like you, where we're, where it's not in our nature to say, nope, I can't do that. And I am, I am, I wish I could more. And so I'm learning and I take these, I'm kind of realizing kind of these small baby steps to take. I can't lead with no, I can't lead with other things. I can be positive, you know, think it through. Um, and I, I don't, you know that to me has been helpful, and I loved kind of how that some of this research has helped me rethink things.
0: That is a really great phrase that communicates simply with with confidence and gratitude. And I think I get very inclined to fall into this kind of need to over apologize, Allison. I. Our chronic Chronic. over apologizers. Chronic
1: over apologizer.
0: Chronic. Yes, yes. I mean, it is is nearly comical how much um, we have been. Yes. But, and I felt like falling into that with this friend because, like, oh, I'm sorry, that's not going to work or over apologizing about it. And instead, what really did work well and was well received was that communicate simply with confidence and gratitude. I'm so happy you're willing to come up. I really appreciate you making the drive. I really want to see you. I'm looking forward to you coming. You know, this is just going to be difficult to have multiple meals throughout the day. And then we have plans later in the evening. You know, how can we make this work? Do you want to bring up your own lunch or I can set brunch at this time? And can you get here for that? Yes. Trying to talk through how can we make this work for, for both of us? Um, and I didn't understand the reason that these friends were going to be late. And when I found out the reason after the fact, it made perfect sense why it was that way. But it's easy to feel like, well, why can't you just come up when everybody else comes up and try to you know, sure. push other people sure. into where you want them to be to make everything work? When often there's a, a good middle ground to find you know, but that, and I believe that came from my friend as well, who maybe she, should, she should be in charge of the podcast, telling us all <laughs> what to say, because she said, well, show she to bring be- up their own lunch, you know, and mm-hmm. that's fine, which no and one has minded, but you feel rude right. to do that as a host. Say, would you mind bringing your own meal with you to my home? Right.
1: <laughs> right. And it's, I, I love her perspective. It's helped me. there have been moments, even after we were talking about, not only just this as an episode, but just this whole kind of idea of brunch or nunch, this idea that, There is compromise leading with kind of gratitude and appreciation under coming from a place of understanding, which I know the two of us do, but we're so overly accommodating that I I lean towards just saying, yes, okay, fine. But this idea that step back and I made a little note to myself on my, um, ahead of this building that muscle memory takes time. And yes. so this idea of baby steps like okay uh, in this in in this instance with brunch okay i would love to have you coming from a place of understanding and then saying well to your, your friend said exactly is it easier for you to get bring something yourself we just want to see you like at the heart of it that's what it's all about yes and then getting tied up in there is timing and this and that and um in this research, it's given me a lot to think about in terms of how I can, again, take these baby steps, not look at advocating for myself as being selfish at all, because it is not. Yes. But even in some of the other research I did, the the idea, and a lot of it was around kind of this workplace feeling and the idea of what I found fascinating is why people don't advocate. And I'll just highlight a, a thing and I know, uh, highlight a couple of points and I knew, know you and I have each our own examples we've wanted to share, food-related, because this is our brunch episode of ways in which we didn't advocate, we probably should have. (laughs) But before we jump into that, one of the things I found fascinating, there was a survey done in March of 2022, um, and it was from Indeed, and they advocated, um, I'm sorry, they surveyed people, and they said 41% of women surveyed said they didn't advocate Enough for themselves. 43% of women surveyed said they advocated about the right amount. But of those that said they don't self-advocate, what was interesting to me, and all of these kind of resonated, all of them, even though, you know, in different ways, they were they asked the principal reason and they said, um, the survey found that it was shyness was 59%. And so I think while people might meet me and not think of me as outwardly a shy person in terms of like they for self-advocating i would fall right into that category yeah you know i would rather yeah. i don't know if you feel this way Lisel, but like i may not outwardly be shy but in terms of advocating 100 percent, I, I don't want to you know
0: yes um, absolutely
1: and then one of the other ones i highlighted that i thought was interesting is the fear of being labeled aggressive 31 percent of those of the all of both men and women had that as a um as a reason why they didn't want to self-advocate. And those two things kind of, to me, are very similar. Like you're shy about doing it and possibly, I know they rank them differently, I wouldn't want to seem like I'm being too difficult Mm -hmm. or too aggressive. And again, it goes back to that quote, self-interest is not selfishness. But I just found those really fascinating that as we think about advocating, and this survey was done of people in the workplace, so I know our examples are personal. But I think there's a lot of common threads about why I find myself being more mindful and being more conscious of the fact of why I don't do it. And it's a slow, for me, it's been, again, a very slow process of advocating um, for myself. Uh, if, If I will mention quickly, Liesl knows this very, very well, and feel free to jump in, Liesl. I, When it comes to food (laughs) challenges that I have faced, it's one area where, um, for me, I worry about seeming difficult and seeming like I'm being pretty fussy because I have what is not technically an allergy, but I don't like anything that tastes sweet. And it actually makes me, if I eat something like a cake or a pie or something with a sweet glaze to it, I tend to feel sick. And so I've had this my whole life and it's, it's, it's what makes it challenging. And especially in social situations is this feeling like I feel when I have to say, Oh no, thank you. I don't want that. Or I just want to check that this isn't too sweet. I come across as being difficult and fussy when in reality, I just, I actually can't eat it. It's unpalatable for me. And, um, but I've, I have found it, you know, really Really tricky, and I'll bring up one example that, um, and I, I I have a I have so many of them, but one that I find somewhat funny is on my wedding day we had a beautiful wedding cake, and I was wor- I was worried because you know you cut the wedding cake you feed each other the wedding cake I don't eat cake it's too sweet I it doesn't taste good to me and I feel sick and you do so not want to had, to feel sick
0: on your wedding day that's the last time you want right? to feel sick yes absolutely
1: right and so what I did is I had someone make a, we had a block of Manchengo cheese and the the company that was making our, the bakery that was making our cake made it look like it was a piece of cake, like right next to it.
0: I have never heard this story. This is delightful. I thought you heard this story. (laughs) So
1: what is funny is, and this like, I'm sure this would not surprise you, I was worried enough that people would think I'm being difficult. I don't think consciously I was, but I didn't want to like draw attention to the fact that I wasn't eating the cake or, and some people uh, people at my wedding knew I didn't like sweets, but I don't think sometimes they understood truly to the extent of which I can't eat them. Yeah. That I had this like fake cake, <laughs> this fake slice <laughs> of cake sitting on the side. Decoy even... cake. <laughs> it's a total decoy cake. That <laughs> even to this day, randomly it comes up and it doesn't often, but every so often it'll come up about, I still can't believe you ate your wedding cake. And I'll say, well, I didn't. I was eating a piece of cheese. And people are like, what? I said, yeah, and we had a plate <laughs> with, with the decoy cake and John like pushed it over, cut a piece of manchego cheese and fed it to me. And I love you're this standing so, much. Far <laughs> so I was thinking of this example because I thought this is like, this encapsulates you know how I have a hard time sometimes just saying I'm not going to eat the cake and put a John could have wheeled out a piece of cheese but I was worried enough about the idea that I would look like I was being difficult yeah that I just (laughs) did this whole separate like
0: well and when it's a great I mean if you were if you were diabetic and you said I'm diabetic people would leave that alone they would not 100 percent, and that's wonderful they should they should leave that alone if someone is diabetic or has a, a true allergy i have a very very fussy digestive system if you are familiar with fodmaps i follow a low fodmap diet it's changed my life for the better it's made it possible for me to travel and enjoy food in an entirely different way but the two biggest offenders i have are onion and garlic and it's difficult to I mean first of all they're in everything but it's everything eggs, everything <laughs> even breakfast even brunch brunch is not safe <laughs> brunch is not safe you're like just give me one meal where I don't have to worry I saw dessert with garlic in it the other day I'm like are you kidding me dessert used to be the safe haven from I don't remember what it was and it, it was did. a very alcohol but the point being it's it's a health thing for me they make me ill but it's not an allergy and when people say. You know, I've gotten a little bit better about if we're having dinner with people who don't know me and they're gracious enough to make something. I used to just not want to be a fuss, you know, not make a fuss about it. But me being ill does not, it's, I shouldn't be ill. It's not fair to the people we're hosting. It's not good for me. It's definitely not fair to my family who then has to deal with that. And I've tried to be better at saying, um, just so you know, so you're aware, I'm not, I cannot eat onion or garlic. And people will say, oh, is it an allergy or do you just not like it? And it's neither. And I don't know if it's the writer in me that I like specificity of language, but then I get to, you know, well, I do like it. It doesn't like me. And, you know, it's it's not an allergy, meaning, I mean, I have lots of allergies. I've had anaphylaxis before. It's not that, but it will make me ill and it's hard to distinguish the two, particularly if you're in a situation at a restaurant where they're asking you, and what I don't want is for the kitchen staff to feel like they have to isolate the pans as you would with someone with celiac so that you don't have any gluten touching or, you know, a severe allergy. But the people I'm with or my husband are generally like, no one, no one cares. No one needs to hear your whole story about why you can eat white and what a FODMAP is and the whole thing. But it's hard to communicate that in a way that is you know, reasonable for you and also where you don't feel like you're creating a burden, a burden for others. Um, and the, and that's
1: exactly right.
0: Yeah. Yeah. This, and the self advocacy part, I mean, to the degree of how non-assertive I am in a restaurant situation. Um, I think it was about a year ago I was out dinner in the summer with a group of friends the kitchen was slammed they were very busy everything was taking a long time when they finally brought my chicken sandwich it was sliced in half and it was visibly raw i mean there was uncooked chicken
1: in the interior
0: of the sandwich and i was very hungry my friends were very hungry i didn't want to hold up the meal i didn't i hate sending food back i did not want to stress out the kitchen staff Because you don't want to bother others, you know. Correct. And I'm I'm kind of Correct. sitting there trying to figure out how to navigate. Could I eat the edges of the sandwich? <laughs> Should I remove the chicken? You know. <laughs> and then my friend who's sitting next to me is like, "Oh, good lord, that looks like it's cooking still." And and I see yeah, it's a, it's a little raw on the inside. It's, <laughs> it's <a laughs> <tiny bit. laughs> So it's cooked a little rare, you know. And uh, she said, "Well, you need to send that back." I said, "Oh, there." They're busy. They have other They have other problems. And she's, are you seriously going to risk getting yourself ill so that you don't bother other people? And the way she said it was very kind of enlightening that that's ridiculous. And if my child yes. had received that sandwich, I would absolutely tell them to send it back. If my friend had received that sandwich, if my husband... I would, of course, think it's not being a fuss at all to send it back, but somehow it's more difficult for me. I did send it back. They, they were very apologetic. They corrected the meal. I did feel horrible. However, you know, my friends have then like, you know, do we wait? Do we not? And I, you know, please, please do go ahead. But I have sure. learned more. Yes, but learned from that experience. One way I've gotten better at advocating for myself, and this sounds very silly, but I'm telling you, it works. Alison, I want you to try this and report back. Listeners, I'm going to- you're going to pretend you're advocating for someone else. Like, I you know, I love that advice. Love in- that. Invent an alter ego. Like Alison, this is your friend Lucy. She can't eat sweets. She just got served a plate of cake. Help Lucy out. <laughs> and I would advocate so much for Lucy. Like you were
1: absolutely right. You'd be Lucy's you are- champion. <laughs> I'd be like, well, she can't eat this. So you got to send it back. Don't worry about that, Lucy. Like I, I would do that in a heartbeat. Yes. And I love how re, your, you, you hit the nail on the head when it comes to the, reframing your thinking to help yourself, again, with those small steps, be a better advocate for yourself. Because to that point, exactly, I would, if it were my kids, and I loved how you said this, or if it were John, yeah. if my kids got something they couldn't eat for whatever the reason was, none of my kids got my my unique taste buds of not liking sugar, but (laughs) if they did, I would be the first saying, does that have anything that tastes sweet? Is there any da-da-da-da? What is the glaze? What is this? And I wouldn't think twice about it, but when it comes to myself, it creates so much anxiety, or it has in the past where I'm like, I just won't say anything. I'll eat around the edges. Like the amounts of times, and it's usually obviously in social situations more so than at my home, But I'll get like a salad and the dressing will be sweet. And I can't tell you how many times I'm like, that lettuce doesn't have it. And if John's with me, my husband, he'll say, just send it back. I'm like, I I can't do that. I can't do that. And I've gotten better at saying, we were at a wedding recently and this just came up this May and they had dressing and they had a salad and the salad was delightful. It had mixed greens. It was like one of the best sets of, of food, wedding food I've eaten at this restaurant. And it was lovely, but the dressing was really sweet. And I was very reluctant to want to send it back. And, you know, John, my sister, they both got up. There was a, my family was at the wedding. They mentioned, you know, my wife can't have this. Can she, and my, Abby, my sister can't, can we just have dressing on the side? It was the easiest thing. and I, <laughs> I felt myself, even though it wasn't all eyes are on me, everyone can see that I'm not eating the salad when in reality, no one cared. Right. And, and that's the thing, it's it's in the moment, I don't know if you feel this way, Lisa, but it feels so overwhelming at times, but I love that your friend, it was there to help you advocate and you're right, Re, reframing your mindset helps tremendously.
0: It really does. And I, I feel like it helps too, food situations with people having food allergies or food uh, sensitivities is so much more common now There's a lot, people are more understanding. So it is easier to say, I'm sorry that, you know, that looks lovely. I can't eat that, but, or, you know, trying to find a way I'm going to pass on that, but boy, that looks great. I'm going to, you know, try this other thing instead over here. And you, you do learn too, which, which friends and which family members are, you know, more accommodating or more understanding or just, you know. for whatever reason, happen to remember the situation, and then you can maybe embrace that a little bit too and appreciate that when that happens. I have a a new friend who I have dinner plans with coming up, and she said, can you remind me what you can't eat? And I said, I just really need to avoid onion and garlic. And she said, oh, are there other FODMAPs that bother you too? And I was just like, oh, oh, I'm in heaven. You're so lovely. Thank you. Thank you for caring. No, no, just everything else I can work around. Um, but it was just really lovely. And and I I do think that's a growing awareness because more and more people understand that. Um, I had, and I think, yeah, go ahead.
1: No, no, sorry. I I think you're absolutely right. I think the growing awareness of food sensitivities and allergies, um, people are more understanding and they're coming from a a side of compassion and empathy because you see it. And you're right. When you, uh, when, when you're able to kind of tell your, approach it with gratitude to the point of our or thankfulness. Oh, that looks lovely. I loved how you said that, but um, I would like to have something else or I'm not, I, I wouldn't like anything today that adding that gratitude piece for me helps in the delivery and not
0: make me feel like I'm, Oh, I'm being too fussy or so forth. And, and to the flip of what my friend um, offered, I bet you do this to Allison. I try to do that when I have people I'm eating with or hosting to remember to ask, are there foods you either can't have or just really don't like just to kind of, so that they don't have to worry about being assertive with me to give them the entrance to say, actually, I hate chocolate. You know, if you, if you make it, that's fine. I won't eat it. Cause that's good for me to know. I will happily, you know, wonder what's wrong with them, but then I will leave, I'm just kidding, but I will leave chocolate off the uh, meal plan, of course. So it's really helpful to, you know, if you're listening to this and looking saying to yourself, well, I can eat everything under the sun, which first of all, congratulations to you. That sounds awesome. Exactly. (laughs) But also, you know, how can you be a good, um, advocate for others? Well, you can ask, you know, are there any food allergies or aversions that I should be aware of kind of thing, um, because sometimes they can be very serious. I have several friends who have um, celiac and they it's, it's not even just if they can taste wheat or in bread, but gluten is in everything. I mean, there's lots of things they have to avoid, even things like barbecue sauce and things you wouldn't expect to have gluten in them can, can make them very ill. So. And
1: I think you're right. And to um, tie some of this, what you were saying in an example of, you know, friends, my sister recently developed a dairy allergy. So she can't process the protein. I find one I advocate more. I am an advocate for her whenever we're going out. I'm the ones and she's my little sister. So I'm saying, can she have this? Oh, I don't know if they put butter on this bread when they were making, let's say a grilled chicken sandwich. Oh, excuse me. You just want to double check. Like I will advocate without skipping a beat for her. And there's become, um, more understanding to your point. It's not, she, it's not like she just, she can't have it. She develops hives. There's all these other medical things surrounding that. So it is very serious. Yeah. And, um, I I do find even resonating so much what all of the great things you've said, those friends that there are, there's a core group of my friends, I've known them forever and they, They'll remember, and they're like, "Okay, we're doing this. Al, you can eat it. Like you, you'll love this, or you can." And I love that. And so you're right, Liesl, For listeners out there that maybe you don't have a, it, maybe you can eat everything, which is amazing. Um, I wish I could because I do love making desserts so much. And I
0: wish I could. And you make enjoy beautiful them. desserts. I feel like oh, that's that's such an act of, of service too. to make these beautiful desserts that you won't even enjoy. Yeah, I know, and I wish I could, um, but you know, thinking through, as you
1: said, uh, how to, when someone comes into my home or when I'm going out with someone, is there stuff on the menu that you can eat? I appreciate when it's done for me. And I yeah. find I'm very, I make it a conscious effort to be respectful of others. Cause you're right. A lot of times people may not say if they have an allergy, if it's not severe enough where they feel they need to mention it. And I wouldn't want them to be in a situation where, one, they can't have something or they feel badly that they're not, you know, sharing in the meal because meals bring people together. Food is like, it's, it's so heartwarming and it helps us, you know, create these bonds and interactions that to be yes. in a situation where you can't have something and to create anxiety is the opposite of what you'd want to do.
0: It, it is. Um it This makes me laugh, folks. I'm remembering this summer I had a gathering with one of my friends who, who has celiac and then a friend who is vegan and then myself. And it it sounds like the beginning of a joke, you know, right? Mm-hmm. Like a vegan and someone with celiac and a <laughs> yes. map diet follower walk into a bar. But I mean, it was w- trying to plan a meal together was comical because, you know, Oh, like, well, let's have, even it was like, well, we can all eat salad. Cool. Let's go with the salad. Okay. But we can't put croutons on it because they have wheat and, we can't put meat on it because vegan. And I can't have all these, you know, onion, garlic, raw apples I have trouble with, blackberries I have trouble with. There's, you know, these things that right. might go on a salad. It was very funny. And it was a struggle to work through. We almost needed a, you know, a Venn diagram where the overlap was. correct.
1: correct. Where
0: do we all overlap? Yes, we all can have wine. So that was a, a great uh, foundational I love that. starting yes. point. But uh, it was, it was. Once we got the meal situated, it was a lovely gathering. It's meals open up conversation and they allow you to kind of, you know, have that, the breaking of bread with, well, you know, gluten-free bread in this case, but breaking of the bread with people you care about and having meaningful dialogue over a meal is, is an important part of humanity, really. So...
1: It absolutely is. And whether it's brunch in our case, where we dove into kind of the origins of it and how much we love brunch as this wonderful meal on Sunday or any other meal, the act of removing some anxiety that might be created through either being with people or making your own, as people come into your home or you go into others, I think is important. And kind of the foundational to that is this idea of how do we not only set boundaries, which is a little bit of of what we talked about in a a very positive way, but advocating for yourself. And that underpins so much of it so that you can enjoy what is some of the best discussions, best moments I have are around a meal. You know, sharing in food is so personal and so important. um, And removing some of that anxiety from it, I think is, is tremendously helpful.
0: Okay, so Allison, what are a few takeaways for our listeners for, let's see, like so communicate sim- simply with confidence and yes. gratitude, right? That's a big one.
1: Communicate simply, absolutely, with gratitude and with confidence. Yep. self is not selfishness. I feel like I need that on a mug.
0: <laughs> or tattoo <laughs> just right on across the forehead.
1: Exactly, exactly <laughs> that being able to help, and I to that point, I highlighted something that I came across being able to advocate yourself to provide authenticity helps to strengthen relationships and deeper connections. And I think that is, that is at the foundation of this. Yes, it it is. It's that's what, and that's what we want to do. We want to, all of us want to strengthen those relationships and, and deeper connections Yes, the positivity I think expressing appreciation and gratitude can easily be done, and it's not in conflict with self advocacy yes um, and i I put the one down, and i i don't know if you tried this too, but the idea of the small steps like i I'm, I'm not going to change how I feel overnight, yeah, setting boundaries can be challenging for some people it or at least I perceive it to be it may not be the case. it maybe comes more naturally, it doesn't for me. And so instead of just being uh, agreeable to things that might not work like food for that's the it's at the foundation of it, I can't have anything that has sugar in it. And yet I don't want to feel like I'm being too difficult. But these tiny baby steps, I think, are are um, for me. And I love your thoughts, too, Lisa, as ways our listeners, if they're struggling with this like we are, (laughs) you are not alone. You are not alone. You're not alone. Taking it slow, I think, and unlocking little things um, is so helpful.
0: Yeah. And so setting that, you know, what's the boundary that isn't going to work for me? And saying that simply and clearly, nope, I'm not going to be able to serve lunch. I'm sorry. Here's some alternatives. And, you know, yes. you let me know what works for you. So it's as much as brunch or nunch is the title of the show and absolutely was very funny and gave me permission to set the boundary, it wasn't brunch or nunch because we were able to work through okay what's what's the alternative that meets everyone's needs. You know, there's very often a compromise that doesn't put too much pressure on either either person in the scenario. So
1: and I I don't know if you find this too, but even as I think, you know, with our listeners here as wherever they're coming from, I know I think about this too, as as when I put on a different hat as my role as a mom, I try to, I am doing a better job of trying to instill this with my children. You know, I want them to feel like they can be advocates for themselves. They can be positive about it there are compromises. And I find I, it's easier for me in those situations to say, well, have you thought about saying this? Or have you thought about doing this with whether it's with a friend group, or whether it's with a study group, think through. And it's easier for me to do that on the end of being a parent. And I'm mindful of the fact that I want my, my children to feel they can do this. And it becomes more second nature. And it's not doesn't feel like I'm hiking a huge mountain, which at times that's what it feels like for me.
0: <laughs> I love that. And I'm glad you brought that up after my raw chicken sandwich debacle. Oh. The next day I, I did, I, I, practically sat my children down and I said, boys, do not eat raw chicken just to make other people feel better. And I get kind of like, what are you talking about, mom? But nice. no, we had a whole conversation about when, when should you, and should you not send something back in a restaurant? You know, if it's uncooked and will make you ill, send it back. Send it back. Yes. Exactly. If you just don't happen to care for it, but it was prepared correctly, you know, that's on you, <laughs> you know, just do if what you can do. you chose item on the menu, right. I'm sorry, but yeah, you kind of own that. I'm with you 100%. If you just learned the hard way, pesto is not your jam. That's, that's, uh, you know, now, you know, for next exactly. time. But exactly. If the pesto is on top of chicken that's still uh walking around the yard, then uh you know that's the time to send it to back. Send it back. Yep. If it exactly. clucks, send it back. That's uh if it my... clucks, send it back. <laughs> That's the I quote that. for that's the quote for social media for this episode, Alison. Perhaps yes,
1: it is. <laughs> if it clucks, send it back. I love that.
0: All right. Well, so thank what do we have you. coming yeah.
1: up, Lisa? What do we have coming up? I ho- well, first I should say I hope you've all enjoyed this. We have. It's a gift. I say this from the bottom of my heart. To to, um Lisa's friendship to me has been this the most incredible gift any I could have ever received, and it's a gift just to be here sharing this with you. And kind oh, of I feel the same talking through. She is my, you know, Lisa is my saving grace on so many things. And so this is um, what a gift it is to share this with our listeners today and to be together doing this. I know we have a lot more exciting things planned. What are some of the things, Lisa, we have coming up in our next episode?
0: We do. We are going to talk uh, next time about something very near and dear to my heart, which is social anxiety. Um, I run a little anxious, so uh, that will probably be a theme theme for multiple episodes. But next uh, next time we will talk more about social anxiety in our take up airtime episode. Um, Lots more interpersonal relationship type of uh, topics we will talk about in this season of um, all the things we should have said. And also want to invite our listeners. Tell us situations where you had a self-advocacy assertiveness fail or a win yes we would love to hear you yes tell us your tips for what works for you out there or if you have um, a food issue that you have found a, a way to successfully navigate that you feel good about with you know letting other people know um that this is what, where your line is for what you can or cannot eat or drink. Um, let us know. We'd love to hear. And thank you for joining us. Thank you so much. Thank you for joining us for
1: all the things we should have said, a here and there production. You can reach us at
0: all the things we should have said at gmail.com. All material copyright of Allison Carr and Liesel Detlefson. Our music is by Benji Jackson and used with permission. And our sound editing and mixing is by Eric Stegbauer.